Hi, I'm Megan Hyatt Miller, and I'm about to have a productive conversation with Mike Vardy. Welcome to A Productive Conversation. It's me, Mike Vardy, and I'm joined on this particular episode by Megan Hyatt Miller. She is the co-author of Mind Your Mindset, the science that shows success starts with your thinking. And Megan is the president and chief executive officer of Full Focus. She's the co-host of the popular business podcast, Lead to Win. And she's also the co-author of Win at Work and Succeed at Life. I've had a chance to meet Megan before in person back a few years ago when I was down in uh, Franklin, Tennessee, which is where uh, their offices are located. Of course, her father, Michael Hyatt, has been on the program before. You'll find links to his episodes in the show notes. But we talk about probably one of the most challenging things that we need to do to improve our relationship with time and cultivate productiveness and improve balance in our lives. And that's minding our mindset. We talk about three eyes. We talk about the West Wing because that comes up and we talk about the idea of reason, intuition, so much more. Let's get to this conversation. Here's my chat with Megan Hyatt Miller. Enjoy. Megan, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. I think this is the first time ever that we've had a generational guest on the podcast <laughs> before, unless my daughter counts. But I mean, I don't know how she that counts. works. She does. She does. Listen, daughters count. No, I know. I know. But the thing is, she's not as interested in the work that I do as much as you and your your father, Mike, uh, Michael Hyatt, who has been on the show before, will link it in the show notes, have, I mean, you... Uh, it's it's fascinating to me that when I look at this book, Mind Your Mindset, The Science That Shows Success Starts With Your Thinking, is a book that you wrote together. So yeah. I'm going to get right out of the gate. What was that process like? Well, in a way, it's kind of like everything else we do. We are just having, in your language, lots of productive conversations all the time about all kinds of things. And mindset has been one of those topics that's just perennial for us that is always coming around and always kind of in the the ether of, of what we're discussing. And as we thought about this book and we thought about writing together again, you know, we have another book called What It Work and Succeed at Life that mm -hmm. we did together uh, about work-life balance. That's really great. But, um, you know, we just thought this is really the prequel to all the work that he's done, that we've done together, that we're doing uh, now through Full Focus, our company. And so it was a really fun process to see how we, we got to this uh, topic of mindset through our own unique stories, but uh, in the end, they led to the same place. So I think it's helpful for people to hear from two different generations, two different seasons of life and careers and families and all those things. He's kind of the sage. I'm kind of like in the trenches of life. And uh, so it was a lot of fun as it is for all the things we do together. It's interesting because you, you brought up like the prequel. It seems to me you know, and, and we're all kind of living in the same sphere that the mindset piece is the hardest nut to crack. Like it really yeah. is. It, it's the hardest nut to crack. And it's the most important because, you know, as we kind of thought about the work that we've done, we've done a lot of work around productivity, a lot of work around leadership and goal setting and goal achievement, more importantly, you know, what really gets in the way for people is not the tactical stuff or even the strategic stuff. What usually is in the way is the stuff we're most unaware of, which is what's happening between our ears. And it's also the the greatest potential to um, unlock our success. So 
it, it is the hardest, but it's also the most exciting from our perspective because it's the thing that most people really haven't done a lot of work on. And gosh, if you can figure this out, the future just breaks wide open. One question that I have as I was going through the book was, <clears throat> and and I'm not saying that that's it's a, it's not a tough read, but what it is is you're asking people to go deeply into an area that yeah. is, and you even say like uh, unsettling as it may be, uncertainty is not the enemy. It points not to chaos but to possibility. That's mm-hmm. right out of the gate, and it's almost like a harbinger of like, okay, listen, like what we're about to talk about here and write about here is stuff that you might get a little, I mean, there's uncertain, but you might get uncomfortable. So yeah, if someone's going through the book and, you know, what are some of the things that you can say to them that will help them kind of push through that yeah. unsettling feeling that you get when you realize that, oh, this is not a one and done proposition. This is something that I yeah. have to mind. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I think a lot of us in the last few years have felt a profound lack of control. Mm-hmm. You know, I think in some ways that's why the work that we do around productivity and the work that you do are in that space as well has been as successful as it's been because people want to recapture a sense of control over their lives. And there's been all these things happening that are outside of our control. And and that's not a good feeling, you know? And And so I think that what I would say is, Certainly, as you experience and as you step into this world of mindset and you really begin to examine your thinking and how it's driving the actions you're taking and therefore predictive of the results you're getting, um, it's kind of a good news, bad news thing. Because on the one hand, yeah, it's going to require some work. On the other hand, it's going to put you in the driver's seat in your life in a way that you didn't even know you could be in the driver's seat. And in so many cases, I certainly didn't years ago when I started really learning about this and putting it into practice. Um, it There's just so much to be empowered in in this world of mindset that um, not only can can this positively affect your own life and as we talk about in the book the results you're getting but it can also help you if you're a parent if you're a spouse if you're a leader if you're a professional you know whatever your context is and probably for a lot of us it's a lot of overlapping roles there's a lot of application beyond ourselves that um, we can help other people too which is exciting to me Let's talk about the three eyes because that's kind of the framing yeah. that is used for the book. So can we go through and the way, I mean, anyone who's listened to the show before knows that, you know, I don't necessarily go in sequential order, but I think that for the, for the, as you go through this, those three eyes, they almost initially have to be done yeah. in sequential order. And then yes. after that, it's very much a kind of checkpoint thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we talk about in the book that there are really three steps to minding your mindset. And uh, the first is to identify the stories that you're telling yourself. You know, what is the story in your head? And I'll pause there for just a second, because this is a concept that may be brand new to you if you're listening. Um, Most of us don't realize that the thoughts in our head are actually a narrative that our brain is feeding us. And we talk about in the book this idea, there's what happens to us, the facts of our life, you know, things that could be uh, imperative verified, they're observable, measurable, they would be in a police report or a medical report or something like that. And then our brain, because it's a sense-making machine, is going to layer on top of that what that means. And that's the story or the narrative. And typically we we kind of conflate those things and we assume that they're, um, they're one thing or that the facts are the story. And in fact, that's not the truth. The story is a subjective interpretation of the facts uh, that our brain gives us because our brain likes to make meaning 
functioning and it wants to help keep us safe and out of danger. And so those those stories can tend to be self-protective and even negative oftentimes at their first at their first pass. Um, so the first thing we want to do is we want to identify, okay, what stories are we telling? And you don't really need to mess with the ones that aren't causing any trouble, but let's say you have a goal that you're trying to achieve and no matter how hard you try, you always quit or give up, or no matter how hard you try, you just can't make progress. Um, or maybe you have a difficult relationship or something that you wanna happen in your professional life and you're just, you feel stuck. That's where you wanna look. Okay, what am I saying in my head? What What is that little voice in my head? We call it the narrator in the book. What What is he or she saying to me? And once you do that, you can go into step two, which is to interrogate the story. Right. And this is the step where we really are trying to separate the fact from the fiction, if you will. You know, the, those observable facts that anybody off the street could observe and agree on versus the interpretation of the facts, that story that we're telling. And part of what we're trying to do is prep our brain for this idea that there might be another interpretation. The reason that matters is because the stories that we tell ourselves really pre-program our brain to look for certain kinds of solutions, uh, answers to our questions and so forth that lead to the actions we take and the actions we take lead to the results we're getting. Most of us were trained you know, just to do something different if we don't like the results we're getting or try harder or something like that. But in fact, we need to go further upstream and we need to look at the story that is informing the actions that we take and really uh, kind of prejudicing us on, you know, towards certain actions and not toward others if we want to get different results. So we've got to, first of all, we've got to identify the story. Then we've got to interrogate it and separate what's the story I'm telling from the actual raw facts. And then we can move on to the third step, which is to imagine a better story. Because if we really want better results, if we want something that we've never achieved before in our life or something that has eluded us in some way, we've got to go uh, further upstream. We've got to tell the kind of story that's going to kind of tune our brain to look for the kinds of actions and solutions that will ultimately lead to that result. Because otherwise, um, we're just kind of trying that brute force method that we've all tried before of just try harder or just, you know, keep doing more in the same vein that you're doing. And that's unlikely to lead to different results. So first of all, identify the story you're telling. Second of all, uh, interrogate the story. And third, imagine a better story. And those are the three pretty simple steps, not necessarily easy, but three simple steps to minding your mindset. That's the key. They're not, they're not necessarily easy, uh, right. but they, they, they are simple. Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. So Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. 
In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now, you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. It's, in, you know, as you were talking about, especially as we go from, you know, you're talking about going further, digging deeper, going upstream. Mm-hmm. The thing that, that I circle back to is journaling. Like this yeah. idea of, so, and the, the difference between people who quote journal on social media for optics <laughs> yeah. sake Right. And then, because they're not going to, I mean, it, truth be told, I mean, that's part of the story in a lot of cases. Like yes. you don't get to see the real underpinnings, but a journaling yeah. would allow you, a journal would allow you to, provided, provided mm-hmm. that you're going to tell, like be truthful. And because yeah. then you can, like, to me, it seems like starting that kind of habit would be beneficial now, even as you make your way through this book, because it helps to kind of either retell or properly tell the story, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Well, and the most important thing you're actually doing when you're journaling is you're objectifying the story in your head. Like you're getting it out of your head where you can't really analyze it or do anything with it because it feels like it's just you like this is this is part of you it's your truth you know it, it is the truth and when you get it out on paper now you can see one is it working for me and is there maybe another way i could interpret these events that would be more uh, advantageous as i look toward getting different kind of results in my life and in whatever area so you know and for some people the idea of journaling they're like oh gosh not journaling you know you can do this on a yellow legal pad you can do it on the whiteboard in your office uh you can do it on the notes app on your phone like we're not really picky about where you do it but you need to literally write down those sentences in your head, which is how stories show up. They, they show up as these just kind of phrases or sentences in your head. We want to get those on paper, figuratively speaking, you know, digitally or, or uh, physically, so that we can then start to go through that process of interrogation and then imagine something better. I, you know, I do this with my kids. I have five kids and it is amazingly effective um, to, to kind of make it concrete in that way. And I don't think adults are a whole lot different. No, no. You know, um, one of the things that I caught as I was going through the book, it, it, it reminded me of an episode of the West Wing. When you oh, talk I love about, the West Wing. But you remember the episode where uh, CJ had to take a meeting with the people who were going to try to teach geography different in school and they had the different map. Well, in the book, you talk about the idea of the first map of the United States that was drawn. Right. Mm -hmm. And that brought me back to it. Like the idea of not only that map, but then when you think about that episode and maybe we might be able to find the link on YouTube and put it in the show notes. If we can, we will, but because it's just a short clip, but the idea of when they looked what the world looked like, based on what they were taught, the story versus, hey, right. this is what the world looks like. And the reason that these countries are portrayed as smaller, even though they're bigger, has a lot to do with socioeconomics. Like there was a lot of interesting yep. things there. And I'm like that, like like the look on her face of her mind being blown is seems to be the equivalent of when you finally figure out what that, you know, the story that you've been saying is either wrong and then you want to dig deeper. Is that the kind of thing that, 
Mm-hmm. Like when you were doing this, as you were making your way through the book, and even as you were practicing this, was there a moment where, for you in particular, there was an aha moment where, like, wait a minute, if this is wrong, or if this is untrue, or slightly inaccurate, or yeah. let's say shaped in a way that favors me as opposed to being real, I yeah. wonder what else is. Do you have a, a quintessential moment where that yeah. triggered? Well, I actually, I tell a story at the beginning of the book, um, which was really my kind of light bulb moment with regard to mindset. And it comes back to one of the greatest fears that almost all humans have, which is public speaking. And I am no different. I had a debilitating fear of public speaking my entire life. Uh, it started in high school when I watched a friend become overwhelmed at giving a presentation. She ran out, kind of had an anxiety attack and I found her in the bathroom crying, um, you know, just in humiliation. And unbeknownst to me, my brain is like, okay, girl on the floor of the bathroom crying after having tried to give a, a presentation. What does this mean? My brain came up with a story that said, speaking is dangerous and it could lead to certain humiliation and you could lose control of your body. It would be awful. So you should just never do it, you know, under any circumstances. Well, Fast forward to my life, I didn't even know that that story was running around in my head. It just felt true, you know, Mm -hmm. like it just felt like anybody would think that was true. And it's not actually true at all. It's just a subjective interpretation. I shut myself out of so many professional opportunities that would require me to speak. And it got so bad that even sitting like in a book club, I couldn't read a passage in a book out loud with like six or eight people because the sound of my own voice felt so threatening. I mean, it was just, it, it became totally irrational. And so fast forward, you know, here I am, I'm leading this company. Company now with my dad. I'm um, the COO at that time. And uh, my team came to me and they said, Hey, we want to do a, a big live event for our audience. It's going to be amazing. And we just realized the funniest thing you've never keynoted for us. And so we thought, We'll have you keynote at this event. It's going to be like 800 people. Doesn't that sound amazing? And I'm thinking inside, this is my literal worst nightmare. You know, like I'm going to actually die. Right. Uh, and And of course I had to reluctantly say yes, because it was that or like be exposed. By the way, nobody knew about this except my husband. And by the way, this is not that long ago either of this recording. You've not, it's not like this is happening like a decade or like, this is not a terribly long time ago. This is like five years ago, I think at this point. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, this, you know, it's kind of embarrassing to tell in a way because, you know, it's like so out of alignment with the rest of my career and everything else. But I I had this this just debilitating fear. And this is one of those things to note. Sometimes these areas, they get kind of layered with shame and humiliation and embarrassment, and then they just get more and more powerful. Well, I had a real choice to make at that moment. Am I going to basically walk away from my career? Because you know, you can't become the CEO of a company and not be willing to speak in front of people. Like they're Mm -hmm. just, those things don't go together. And, or am I going to finally face this fear? And I, I just thought, you know what, this story feels outdated to me. I didn't, I wouldn't have even had totally that language at that point, but I don't want to be confined anymore. I feel like I'm in a small story. I don't want to do that. So I, I hired a speech coach. I hired a life coach. I mean, I've, I got medicine from a doctor, an anxiety coach. I mean, everybody I could get to help me. And I went on a six week uh, period of time, like a, an intensive period of time where not only was I preparing for that keynote, but I was really like doing battle with this story that speaking would kill me. I mean, that's what I thought, you know, that ultimately it was that threatening and it was a really hard six weeks to to ex- go through the process of identifying and interrogating that story. But I actually wrote a story about what it would be like to step on stage, how I would feel. And it wasn't some like 
woo-woo affirmation about like, you know, I'm now a TEDx speaker and I'm the best speaker in the world. It was like, I'm able to connect with my audience. You know, what my voice matters. I, I'm able to stand in my physical presence and and like fill up the stage, you know, with confidence, those kinds of things. And when I got on stage, by the way, I had a panic attack the day before the speaking engagement on the way oh. home from soundcheck. So, I mean, I just want to like keep it real. It was, yeah. it was challenging, but it played out exactly like I had written it. The, the new story caused me to look for different kinds of solutions and take different actions, which ultimately led to different results. And I've gone on to speak a ton since then, you know, almost every week I'm doing something like that, not to mention things like this, like interviews. And I was really able to overcome that because I learned to tell a new story. And that for me was the impetus for this book. And that's what I want for others. Hopefully you don't have such a dramatic story that, that you need help with, but you might. And if you do, that's okay. Cause, because this is a really effective process. Oh, I also wonder if sometimes it, and this is the way the brain loves to work is it's sometimes not those big grand things that are the story. Right. Like it's those little, little, like you talked about layers, but sometimes it's just like a little untruth that yes. is, is like almost like a tripwire. Right. Right. And, and I, I, I imagine the listener right now going, okay, but I'm not, I'm not this, but there's probably something that like, so don't just think about the grand gestures, right? Those grand right. things. I think, I mean, I would imagine that's where we get tripped up a lot, right? Is because yeah. it's like big, big, big. And they're like, wait a minute, hold on. If we, and this is the interrogation piece, right? Like interrogation yes. isn't like a one and done again, like asking one big question, you're drilling and drilling and drilling, right? Right. right. Like would someone else see it the same way? How else could I interpret that? What would some other options be? You know, you can even ask people if, you know, when presented with this list of facts, what would you think? And normally when I go through this exercise, I either do it on a whiteboard or a piece of paper and I will make two columns on one column. I will write down the facts mm -hmm. and I'm talking like these are things like, you know, at 6 p.m. The guy crossed the street, like just boring Boring facts, it would be in a medical report or a police report or something like that. And then I'm writing down on the right side of the paper in the other column what I'm saying about those facts. Things like, and he looked like he was going to go rob a bank. Or, and he looked like he was in a hurry because he was late for a meeting. Or, and he looked like he was having a medical emergency. You know, those are subjective interpretations of the guy walking across the street. And what you realize is there are as many interpretations as there are neurons in your brain, which are like trillions, you know? I mean, it's just, it's just endless. And our, our brain likes to think that there's just one interpretation and that's the truth. But what we, we talk about in the book is the brain likes certainty so much that it would rather have the wrong answer than have no answer. Right. And so the more complex the situation is, the higher the stakes are, the more likely you're going to be to have some real certain answer. I mean, we see this in politics all the time. It's got to be like this, you know? And in reality, like, who knows? Like, we don't, we don't necessarily know, or it would take longer to get to a really good answer, but our brain would rather have the wrong answer than no answer. And I think that is such a uh, helpful thing to know about how we're wired. It's so funny because, I mean, this is not the first time this has come up, but this idea that nothing is black and white. Like, there is so yeah. much gray, so much nuance Yes. That, that I, I have to ask, uh, you know, writing this book now, you've written another book with, with your dad, but and also your company, all that stuff, like the amount of nuance. This is a big challenge as, yes. you know, 
it seems like that. I mean, as much as it's a prequel, it does seem like the natural progression of the work yeah. because it's the only yeah. like you only get there by doing the tactical and all that. Yes. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, we need to this the cart before the horse sort of. But what's interesting to me is that people would much rather pick up the full focus planner and work through like the tactical step by step by step than yeah. do this stuff. Yeah, what, And I think you, you bring this up in the book, this quote, because I love the idea of reason. Because mm-hmm. reason to me is the middle. So if yeah. logic is one side of the, of the, of the, the yeah. spectrum and emotion is the other, reason is kind of like this weird balance. It's not 100%. It's, mm-hmm. it's anything in between. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's mixed with a bit more logic, but it takes into account both. And what you say here, which I loved, is reason and intuition are both needed for understanding, and your brain makes use of both. So yes. can we touch on that in terms of this, yeah. you know, the, especially the concept, because the interrogate piece in this book, and rightfully so to me, seems like it's the the densest, not necessarily yeah. the longest, but the one where you're like, keep going, keep going. And I, yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to say that it's tough to read. It's the reader's interpretation interpretation here we go of of that of like oh it's like this it, it can be a slog because there's a lot that you need to unpack right well i mean i think that's where the work is that's where the work is in minding your mindset that's where the work is in really getting a handle on this lever of success you know being able to to use your mindset to unlock greater levels of success for yourself or productivity or whatever it is that you're after in your life. Um, the mindset is probably the missing piece, but the the identifying a st- the story part and then imagining a better story, those kind of bookends of this three-step process, those are really the easy part, you know, because mm-hmm. once you get good at, at and you and by good, I just mean this is a skill. This is not a talent. This is a skill. You can absolutely develop it. Nobody is innately amazing at this. Um, it's all something we learn. But getting to the place where you've practiced enough that you're like, oh, I'm telling myself a story. You know, like here's what the story is. That becomes second nature after a while. And then even getting to the place where you can imagine something that is, um, you know, more empowering. That's going to lead you to the kind of actions that will get you the kind of results you want. That's not too difficult. The interrogation part is the most difficult because it involves uncertainty, which again, your brain just doesn't like, it doesn't want, it wants to hang on to that story because that gives it certainty, which for your brain is its number one priority for you. It's not, you know, because you know that everything that's good in your life is probably on the other side of your comfort zone. If you think of anything in your life that has been positive, whether it's uh, something you've achieved or a relationship that really matters to you or whatever, it's probably on the other side of your comfort zone. And the only way you go through that is through uncertainty. And so just to realize that that's what's happening there is you're, you're basically unraveling the certainty of your facts and your story being fused together. You're unfusing them and and you're using things like your intuition you're using things like your reason to interrogate them uh those stories that you have so that ultimately you can get to the place where you can imagine something better i think it's an important point to say that this this part is the most challenging because there's a lot of conversation out there particularly like in the self-help space of this idea of affirmations like Mm. where you basically you realize that um, maybe you're not even totally conscious of a story you're telling, but you're you know where you want to go. You know you know you want something in your health, let's say, and you or or financially, and you just start trying to manifest that by 
talking about this story or a, a line that is grandiose in some way. The problem is it doesn't work because your brain like basically calls BS on that new story if you haven't gone through the process of interrogating it because it's like, wait a second, that's my certainty. That That's what I know to be true. You've got to do the work of uh of kind of like unraveling it before it's willing to accept a different kind of story. So it's it's important. Well, and and then once you get through that phase, and like you said, it's a skill that you really need to revisit again. And once you yeah. get to the, you know, the idea of imagining, then the uncertainty can come back in, right? Like that's where yeah. you're okay with it. There's a part yeah. in the book where you talk about looking for novelty, right? Like the idea, and there's a chart in here about the number of ideas you have, length of time, things like that, which which is interesting because I have tons of ideas and we all, I mean, anybody who's a creative and, and yeah. slash or an entrepreneur, tons of ideas, doesn't necessarily mean they're all going to be things that you bring to fruition, but you get more comfortable. Again, we talked about this yes. right off the top um, with me being this far ahead in, because we're recording this just true, like to be completely transparent. March 1st is when this is recorded. This episode did not come out until May. So we're 60 days ahead. So impressive. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, but again, it's that, um, that idea of I wanted to get far enough ahead so I could deal with other things in a more competent manner. But mm -hmm. the tricky part, and this is why it's not a one and done, is I I need to figure out what that line is of, okay, this is how far ahead I should be. Because again, that level of competence, confidence, all those C words, confidence, competence, and comfort can turn into complacency if you yeah. don't. And the thing about from what I, as I was going through the book was the, the battle of that you go through when you're going through that interrogation process is so hard at first. Like it really mm -hmm. is because it, it, yep. it really wants to, like you said, hold on to that level of certainty. Yeah. But once you make it past that point, like you talked about the public speaking, whatever it is for the person listening right now, uh, it then op unlocks a whole bunch of stuff, right? Uh, can yeah. we can we talk about the that unlocking of the ability to do things that might a be outside of your comfort zone, b yeah. that aren't spontaneous and even have a level of novelty, which seems incongruent to the idea of I need everything certain. Well, if novelty yeah. is rarely has it has the only thing about certainty when it comes to novelty is that we crave that too, right? Totally, and you know I, I've. I do a lot of coaching work, both in our business and uh, I, I lead coaches, but then I'm also a coach myself. And so I work with a lot of CEOs, a lot of business owners. And one of the things that I have observed is that success in large part is determined by your tolerance for discomfort. And again, this is not innate. This is actually something that we develop and build. So we can tolerate discomfort by putting ourselves in situations where we're uncomfortable, um, which is not super fun. But and, and so like, why would we do it? Well, why we would do it is because there's something we want more than being comfortable. You know, there's something we want, again, in our relationships, in our financial life, in our health, in our work that is worth somehow getting through discomfort to the other side of. And so if we're willing 
to have to, first of all, to be clear that we're always going to default to certainty and comfort, that that's just kind of like from an evolutionary biology standpoint, that's what our brain likes. And that's kind of like, we're not quite caught up with the, the present, you know, in terms of, of what we actually need to thrive today. Um, but then if we know that we can actually train ourselves, we can train our brain to become our ally instead of our enemy. Cause you may be just thinking, gosh, what a pain in the rear end my brain can be. And it's like, yes, and we actually can train it. You know, like in our family, we're getting ready to get a new puppy. The puppy is right now at training in Indiana, and he'll come home in about six weeks hopefully fully trained. You know, I've got five kids, so I'm not really into training dogs. I kind of want those to be plug and play. Um, but, but, you know, it's interesting because that puppy showed up at training, like just a little hot mess. I mean, you know, all over the place, not great trained, not going to obey all of that. And, and that puppy is going through a process of training and our brain is actually no different. Our brain can be trained to one, tolerate discomfort, to go through a process of interrogating the stories we tell and then having the discipline to intentionally tell ourselves stories over and over and create those new neural pathways for the kind of stories that are going to lead us to actions that lead to results that uh, are really what we want in our life and are really congruent with who we are and where we want to go. Megan, this has been a fantastic conversation. I know we're going to have more in the future, but I'm going to let you go now. And what I'd like you to share before we wrap up is just one quick thing that someone could do today so that they could start to mind their mindset now. Awesome. Totally. Okay. So the first thing that I want you to do is just get out a piece of paper or open up the notes app on your phone and just think about something in your life that you're frustrated about, that you don't like the results you're getting, you're not happy with how it's going. And I want you to write down the sentence that is in your head, the kind of thing that keeps coming up. If you had a little neon sign, you know, that was coming up in your head. And I want you to just write that down. And then I want you to go through the process of saying, okay, so what are the facts and what is the story I'm telling myself? And you're really trying to just pull those two things apart and then ask yourself, could there be another interpretation that might ultimately uh, predispose my brain to look for actions that would lead to better results. And, you know, you can do this in like five or 10 minutes in the car line at school, uh, you know, while you're eating lunch at your desk, you can do this really quickly. This is not like a deep, you know, process that's going to take you hours and hours. You can just begin playing around with it and it'll change your life if you do it. Megan, the book is called mind your mindset. You and, and your father, Michael Hyatt, uh, put this together. Uh, where can people pick up the book and where can people keep up yeah. with the work that you're doing? Thanks so much for asking. Well, um, you can pick up the book anywhere that you like to buy your books, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, local booksellers, whatever. Um, but I want to make sure that your listeners know that we've set up a special page with some special gifts for your audience, which is at mindyourmindsetbook.com uh, slash Vardy. And that is going to have some really cool things like a course that we recently recorded with some great implementation steps and kind of, you know, workshoppy. Uh, it's going to have an audiobook file that there. And it's also going to have a self-coacher tool. that's kind of like a Mad Libs for what I just talked you through. And so all you got to do is just take your receipt over there to get all those things. And you can find out more about us and what we're doing at Full Focus there as well. So mindyourmindsetbook.com slash Vardy. Awesome. And we'll make sure that we link that in the show notes. Uh, Megan, thanks so much for having a productive conversation with me today. Thanks for having a conversation with me too. Thanks to Megan for uh, joining me for this particular conversation. You can find all of the links 
everything you need at productivityist.com slash podcast 475. And if you want to help the show out, there's a couple of things you can do. Number one, you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening to it right now. Just hit the subscribe button, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, what have you, and that way you don't miss a single episode of what's to come. Plus, it's so much easier to go through archives of past episodes. The other thing you can do to support the show is check out the sponsors that we uh, shared with you during this conversation. You can go to productivityist.com slash podcast sponsors to learn more about them and then let them know that we sent you. That's it for this episode. Until next time, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of A Productive Conversation, reminding you to stop doing productive and start being productive. See you later.